The following podcast is a B&E Network exclusive. Welcome to this week's Shot to the Chest Radio, baby, as I sit down with the legendary Steve DeMarco, holder of almost every title in Texas. Amazing stories, amazing mind for the business. This man runs the Lucha Lounge on YouTube. If you haven't checked it out, as soon as you're done listening to this, go check it out. Um, Just amazing, amazing, amazing guy in the local wrestling scene, has been in Texas for a long time. If you don't know who he is, just let me let you know there is no show without Steve DeMarco. In fact, this show barely existed, but now that he was on it, Chop to the Chest Radio is actually a legit show, and I'm so excited about that. Tune in right now for our interview with Steve DeMarco, local legend. Check him out, baby! And welcome to this episode of Chop to the Chest Radio, baby. I'm your host, Chevy Chavri, the excellence of podcast execution. And with me, as always, no, he is not here, Mr. 409. Nate Laws is not coming in to save me in this podcast ring. I am rolling solo, but I am sitting next to the legendary Steve DeMarco. He is, let me tell you a quick story before I actually bring him on. I'm talking to Nate Laws. We're booking wrestlers for our show um, I, I'm just recently into the um, local wrestling scene in the last few years. Nate comes to me like a little schoolboy and is giddy almost and says, Steve DeMarco wants to be on the show. And I was like, cool, who's Steve DeMarco? I've never seen a man Nate size so sad and, and disappointed in my entire life that I did not know who you were. He was like, you don't know. Like He was. Done. He almost quit. Like He was done with me almost. I am I, the wrestling Jesus. So. You look yeah, like yeah, the yeah. wrestling <laughs> Jesus. Giant white beard and glorious hair. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Exci- I'm, I'm impressed with your beard. Thank you. If we're going to start anywhere, my beard was, was going, yeah. and I actually chopped it off because I was angry with it that it wouldn't go ZZ Top. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wouldn't go ZZ Top. So, um, But Mr. Steve DeMarco, thanks for being on our show, man. Oh, man, the pleasure is all mine. Awesome. Unfortunately, I guess uh, Nate is a little too... Uh, uh, fearful of uh, oh, he wasn't ready. No, I don't know. I he wasn't he, ready, he wasn't for, ready the... for all the sexiness. I, think. Uh, yeah, I understand. So, yeah. I don't know. I mean, with... I mean, if you think uh, his reaction would have been like a schoolboy oh, uh, yeah. by you not knowing, right? Right? Uh, right. Imagine him sitting in the sitting same room, like and, and we oh all my, and we have faced each other. Uh, but uh, as we as we mentioned prior to the to to the recording. Um, I'll definitely have to have you on my show, and then we'll have Nate because I know be Nate. Awesome. That's one of Nate's uh, goals is to be on the Lucha the Lounge. Lucha Lounge, yeah, and yeah, we're right. going to talk about that. We are in the Demarco domain. You yeah, can say. yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. kind of like uh, the actual Lucha Lounge. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. I do is uh, wrestle and uh, talk wrestling and that's comic awesome. books and so so. Mr. Demarco runs. Was it YouTube mainly, or is it? Yeah, it's YouTube, and uh, um, as of January or as of the beginning of this year. I transitioned to podcasting, well, kind of doing both. Uh, so I mean, you're just taking the, the audio? Yeah, I'm just taking the audio from the videos. Um, I've been with YouTube, had a had a channel for 10 years, roughly. Okay. Be, March will be 10 years. Uh, everything's a decade now, it seems like. Right. Um, 
I've been in Houston for a decade. Um, but um, I guess maybe two years ago, I started contemplating the idea of doing podcasting because I was a fan of some of them. And a lot of people that would listen to my story time stuff or my conversation stuff would tell me uh, the biggest problem is YouTube. It's a video service, so yeah. if you uh, if you're on your phone and you shut down your phone, you know, or, or um, you know, put it to sleep or whatever, you can't just listen to the audio. Yeah. Sometimes an hour long video can, mm-hmm. you know, can be a deterrent. But uh, having it in audio format where someone can download, I think it. it's an excellent idea. Yeah, actually, sure. um, Lucha Lounge. I want you to pause this right now. We've never asked to go away from us, but you go away, go to YouTube, subscribe Lucha Lounge, check out what Mr. Demarco's doing. A lot of um, local wrestlers, yes, which yes. Is, is our heartbeat. We, yeah, we yeah. want rea- uh, Chop to the Chest Radio to be a, a love letter to local wrestling. That's reality of wrestling. That's Hurricane Pro. That's Texas All Star. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly, we get a lot of reality wrestling guys because that's our domain. That's our stomping ground. And we love that. And the product's amazing and excellent. I don't get paid to say these things. I just think and love local wrestling. Yeah. And they do it They do it amazingly. Yeah, so. I, uh, honestly, um, I've had opportunities to kind of do what I do at Reality Wrestling Elsewhere. Right. Um, even in a consultory basis. And honestly, it's... Uh, I-, I was taking that journey. Yeah. So we're getting there. What do you do for Reality uh, Wrestling? I am See, I, was, a, I do the transitions, yeah, bro. I was man, moving. Are, I was moving. You are ahead of the game. Uh, <laughs> so. But yeah, I, uh, I produce. I'm a producer with Reality Wrestling, uh, basically producing the segments. So all the promo packages that you see, I tend to have some kind of hand in. It's also uh, helping develop the characters and uh, getting the best out of them. Which, I'll, I'll be honest, so I go to the shows, love the live shows, and so I kind of get this feeling like it was on Sunday mornings. I'm usually, I'm a church-going guy, taking family to church. I miss it Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to start setting the DVR, moving to Saturday nights. Very cool move, but yeah. I hadn't really caused the show. I'd catch it here and there. I've been really religiously picking up the last maybe four or five episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful. Beautifully done on... You go back, and sometimes when you're there live, you're like, okay, that was cool, but I don't know why this happened or what. But when you go back and watch it, I mean, it's it's remarkable. And word on the street is you're getting some uh, pretty decent ratings. And uh, Yeah, I mean, the move, uh, as of October, we moved to midnight from uh, midnight Saturday nights, CW39. Uh, and then from 11 a.m. Sunday mornings on the CW39, we still drop everything on YouTube. Uh, now from Monday to Sunday, usually you go to realitywrestling.com, get all of that. Right. Uh, but uh, definitely the product from maybe even the first YouTube release. I mean, you could see kind of night and day, yes. or yes. even from um, maybe even the la- you know, the first Summer of Champions to now. I mean, the quality of, of the product um, has increased exponentially, and having the brain trust that we have, obviously, um, is really a recipe for success. It's just. Uh, I'm really humbled by the the amount of growth that we've had as a company, and it's seemingly we're just continuing on the right track. I think now it's just getting the individual talents, brands to be bolstered, um, as well as continuing to build the reality wrestling brand, and not just that people in Texas or certain companies along the way right. see it, but uh, you know throughout the states and even globally. I mean, I can see why you know right. Our, our talent roster couldn't compete with. You give me your Ring of Honors, give me your PWGs, you give me any company out there, Lucha Lounge, uh, Lucha Underground. No, Lucha Lounge as well. It's <laughs> I mean, definitely, yeah, definitely. It's uh, yeah. Or even TNA or even NXT, I think, uh, and, and WWE. I think the talent that we currently have is um, 
some of the top guys that I've seen and worked with throughout my career. And uh, I've been part of some special projects, and I consider this one of the most special ones. And yeah. it's definitely keeps I, uh, me in the game. Uh, so. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm pre-warning you, I'm like a Tarantino movie. I'm all over the place. We're yeah. going to start here, we're going to bounce, we're going to come back, we're going to go back to the, your beginnings, we're going to talk about your career, okay. and we're going to go back into like the very first moments of you falling in love with wrestling. But speaking of what you're speaking on, I feel that we are in the presence of something special with reality of wrestling. Yeah. I think it's that um, that the people that were at the ECW arena before they knew what it really was, but were just there, and they just knew there was something special about it. Yeah. Um, the attitude era that you didn't really know how special it was till The Rock and Austin weren't there anymore. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And I feel that way when I go to these reality of wrestling shows. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm a freaking romantic in love with this thing. But, yeah. um, so I might be not the right guy to ask <laughs> to get a skill. But no, yeah. I, I feel that. I feel like this, there's electricity in the air. There's there's people jumping off of cages. There's, you know, crazy chair matches. Yeah, there's the, technical uh, wrestling. The there's, Aiden uh, Mascara match from the last oh, day. Just uh, falls Lord. count anywhere. First time ever, it, I think, in the audience. Uh, yeah. Yeah, just, uh, just insane, you know? Um, I think top to bottom, the last taping uh, was one of our better I, shows. I, I mean, you walk in the arena... And yeah. there's a steel cage erected already. Yeah. Like, you're like, okay, let's go. Yeah. Like, there's yeah. no, there's no, like, we're in this, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? I, so. I think uh, whether it's out of necessity, um, which obviously filming right. and trying, uh, you know, we've tried it to put it in the main, and then you've got that 15, 20-minute lull, whether you yeah. want it or not, uh, just to erect that, that right. structure. Because uh, you're manually having to do it. Yeah, I mean, we're uh, at this point. I think the next step is to get all of like our projections and screens and everything to kind of descend from the top. I think oh, that's, that's the cool. next thing. Um, so yeah, we're just trying trying to make it the best show humanly possible with um, a lot of young talent. You know that, and in a lot of respects, um, a lot of talent that's just new to the industry. And it's funny because I had a friend of mine that uh, I worked with at PCW, where I really gained a lot of knowledge about television. Huh? What's PCW? Professional Championship Wrestling, a local company out of, well, not local to Houston, but out of the Metroplex area um, from, I want to say, 90. Dallas. Dallas, Dallas, yes. Uh, This was out of Arlington, Texas, uh, Six Flags Mall. They had the world famous, and it was famous uh, for a lot of us, uh, the uh, PCW Arena. Ran television. We were on UPN for seven, eight years, I believe. And, um, you know, recently, or probably as the last couple of years, uh, the the Bussies, who were the owners of PCW, started an M- MMA company called XKO, and they really focused uh, their energies and, and time on that. Uh, it's just a different beast altogether. Right. But, uh, you know, we ran television. I was on their roster for about four years, did everything that I could possibly have done within that company as Grand Slam champion. Uh, we ran weekly. We had weekly television, uh, DVDs, all of that. And then we ran, in essence, a developmental show. And not only was I the champ for the main company, but I was also in charge of booking talent and booking a show, or like our uncut show, which had gained some notoriety throughout a lot of talent that's throughout Texas, throughout the States, a lot of, a lot of talent that's been signed uh, came out of that to some degree, and um, another passion project for me. Um, but one of my friends that I that had worked with over there, we were talking about our times with PCW, not really understanding what we had when we when we were there. It's easy to take it for granted when it's right. constantly there, especially when you're running weekly or you're running twice a week or something to that effect. 
So I'm always trying to remind our younger talent that uh, whether it's your first step, it's your next step, or it's your last step, don't take it for granted because something like this with Bruce Pritchard, with Stevie Ray, with Charmel, with Booker T, uh, the uh, years of experience alone, right. um, people that have worked for big companies or continue to work for big companies, Hall of Famers in their own rights, geniuses in their own rights, and they're guiding you through... Um, not just putting on a good wrestling show, but putting on a good television product that's going to create buzz and hopefully create talent that are, you know, um, that are our names uh, moving forward. You know, right. I, why can't, you know, a Mysterious Q or a Ruthless Ryan Davidson appear on NXT and be able to hold his own against, I, I couldn't see why a Ruthless Ryan Davidson couldn't be on the microphone against Kevin Owens no. and really kind Beautiful. of be something that yes. people would talk about for the rest of their Bruce lives. Davidson is my favorite local wrestler. Yeah, he's uh, been my favorite for probably a decade at right, this point. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, so as you're saying, I just want to shout out to my friend Bob, who was putting a flower bed together <laughs> instead of being at Reality of Wrestling last night, <laughs> who yeah, saw some of the best chair matches, the Lucha, what was the Lucha, I don't even know what they call it, the Lucha, uh, False yeah, Count Anywhere. Yeah, False Count Anywhere, yeah. It was gorgeous. Yeah. The, the steel cage was amazing. Even the triple threat main event yeah. for the belt. Bob, hope your flowers are pretty. You missed out oh, on man. something amazing. Even, even a woman's match, I mean. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 you know. Yeah, just, uh, and Rex, and uh, a guy from Wildcat, and speaking of Wildcat, yes. what Buku is that Dao. gentleman's name? Buku uh, Dao, yes, Buku yes. Dao and Brian Keith, and then uh, Matt Lancey. I want to say it's Lancey. Um, don't quote me on that, okay. but he took on Rex Andrews in a really phenomenal television title yes. match. Um, and not to give too much away, but I think there's talk of Rex um, taking that title everywhere he goes and kind of not just representing reality wrestling, but... But anything on TV. Yeah. Can you defend a TV championship th- off of TV? I think he could probably defend it anywhere he okay, wants at this point. Okay, I, don't know, yeah. I don't know who would really argue with Rex. You know what? It was, it was hard for me to buy Rex, and I say this, you hear me talk about every show. Every <laughs> single show we have, somebody brings up Rex Andrews. Yeah. I usually ask, who would you want to get in the ring with? Rex Andrews. Yeah. Who, and then they kind of almost pause because they're like because everybody how tough and how stiff he is and you're gonna you're gonna get if you're in the ring with rex andrews you're gonna get in it it's gonna be real and um you know when he was doing the whole russian thing or whatever i was like i'm not buying this i'm out and so it's taken me a while for the transition like oh one week where does accent go kind of you know um the whole uh uh, kobe kingston kind (laughs) of yeah 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 yeah. and um but now i'm I'm, like i did and i'm i'm in these interviews and i'm I'm, you know because as a fan it's hard to uh sometimes uh, block all the negativity out in the world so you hear people talk the fans talk the the um was it icw the internet yeah yeah yeah, iwc internet wrestling community that's what it is and so um i'm to the point now where i'm hearing the actual people that are in the ring that are in the business that are doing the work talk about the things they love about it yeah. and now my, I'm, I'm maybe different blinders yeah. watching Rex Andrews and I mean every time he comes out I get a little excited on the inside you know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying yeah. I'm like this is going to be something good's going to happen you yeah know? I think with uh, Rex um, you know much to your point about when he was Sergey Volkov um, and trying to find his way as a yeah. performer uh, the biggest thing is for for any talent any performer is to find their voice and um, whether it was going to India being exiled um, and also learning while being in India and kind of being able to reflect because it's him and just him. Um, Is that what happened to him? Yeah, yeah. He went. Uh, he was exiled. He he had wrestled Gustavo Mendoza and and mm-hmm. kind of like the first and only uh, 
reality wrestling dark match was held in like our old Winkler um, okay. training facility. Uh, and the visuals like Booker and Charmel are sitting up high as they're watching these two guys battle it okay. out, like best two out of three, and Gustavo ended up victorious, and Rex had to go away, but at the same time, I think he was working with um, uh, the great Khali had opened up a wrestling school, so uh, Rex really knows his stuff, is a good trainer as far as from a technique standpoint. You know, you can't really go wrong with uh, his abilities and his skills, Um but being able to go to India for 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 a few months and also get to reflect as a as a yeah. performer, um, I think helped him grow leaps and bounds. I think he's getting really comfortable with who he is and um, with the crowd, even. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. This interaction. I mean, you know, you become a champ. You come back. Right. Uh, you start to gain some momentum. You beat a guy who had, had a historic run. Um, and honestly, Rex is one of those guys that uh, kills the hope of anybody, any performer, to some respect, because he doesn't go with the script. You know, I think yeah. that's uh, there. There are other guys like that. You know, I don't want to compare him to Brock, but uh, Brock right. has that certain formula of match where um, you just know he's just gonna <laughs> manhandle yeah. you. Um, and Rex, kind of the same way. I mean, you, you look at the feud between him and Brian Keith, and I think. What was telling was anytime Brian looked or seemingly was going to try to gain some momentum, uh, Rex would quickly squash it. Shut so, it down. Yeah. Uh, but again, uh, last night, him and Matt, Matt, uh, Matt who I'd never seen, uh, I was really impressed with just the psychology and the story. And I think the one thing that uh, you can't take away from Rex is the story that he tells in that ring. I right. think it's a second to none uh, of again, uh, he, a great, I mean, there, there seemingly is. Um, all talent you could kind of um, pull out as standouts, you know, and it's yeah. like a, a roster of standouts at that point. And I think that's the one of the best things about it is that uh, while it might be Booker T's promotion, he's the figurehead and he's right. running the show, it's really about his talent, you know. Yeah. Uh, and no, no disrespect to Booker, but, like, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't go there for Booker. To have Booker come out and, you know, oh, he waves. And, I mean, no disrespect. Often. But, I, you know, I, honestly, I, I think that's love. the ultimate respect. Because right. for Book, even uh, the PWA days, he yeah. said, I want to get it to a point where it, I don't have to even be seen. Right. For And people are just immersed in who's there. And I, it's got to be, because I mean, let's talk, and we've talked about this, a lot of guys start talking about Booker, I mean, yeah. Reality Wrestling Saturday, he's at, uh, uh, right now at a pay-per-view he's for WWE. He's at No Mercy, and yeah. And Monday, Tuesday, he's going to be doing pre-shows. Yeah. I see him last night before the show starts, I showed up like right before the bell rang. Yeah. Um, he's outside and he's like kind of pacing, he has this look, fans are coming up and he's like, oh, like I got take, taking pictures with them, but I mean, he's trying to focus, he's trying to get in gear, yeah. and I just kind of walk by and he looks at me and I just kind of shoot him a wave yeah. because of that respect and my gratitude. I don't even know if he listens to these or whatever, but book, man, thank you for bringing this to us, to our home. I mean, I, like I said, I have a whole crew that runs with me up yeah, there, yeah. and it's a highlight of like we plan our months around. Okay, next month, da da da, get yeah. these days. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, it is. It is. Um, it becomes a part of your, you know, uh, thing you're doing in your life. Something yeah, I you. think. Um, I think it just speaks volumes to what book has has really brought about, um, and the fact that um, we're just still continuously growing as a company. But I know for him. Uh, this has always been the goal right. was to get it to this level and even bigger levels. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's even, he's never satisfied. Oh, um, and I think the greatest aspect of it 
even as a talent, even when you want to rest on your laurels and maybe you get that day where you know, yesterday we could celebrate yeah. the victory, but then it's like, well, Sunday, take that day, rest, uh, decompress, and then Monday be ready to go because the guy that's working for us, the guy who's putting his uh, name on this product, um, is busy still earning his keep with right. the biggest company in the world. Um, and that only grows your company. It's yeah, branding. It, yeah, it's like Booker yeah. T, he didn't just fade away. He's right. still in people's faces. Yeah. People care. If he if he's doing the announcer, if he's doing the, the pre-show thing, people care what he has to yeah. say. And and so and all these uh, promotions that are under WWE as far as, you know, pinnacles and growth, mm-hmm. I mean, they're probably like, Booker has that school. Yeah. There's probably this reverence yeah. about it, and that's amazing. Let's talk Steve DeMarco. Okay. What are your first memories of wrestling um, ever? I would probably say uh, Ric Flair against Kerry Von Erich. That's TV the one live was, what? Uh, I think I was watching a tape. I can't, I, you know, for the life of me, that's How always. Old? What was I your was, first exposure to wrestling? Oh, uh, I was probably like five or six. Okay. I mean, yeah. I it was, uh, I was probably, um, probably even before that, you know, watching WWF to some degree, uh, the the rock and wrestling, uh, yes. yeah, you know, that, that the animated show, I think, uh they were just uh, cartoons come to life, right. you know, uh, larger-than-life characters. I immediately uh, gravitated to whoever they said for me to gravitate towards. That in question. Yeah, I was a Hogan fan till there's Warrior, and I was ah, like... Ah, WrestleMania you know, 6. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. With bated breath, I think you could uh, put... You could tell it's a great match if it could hold the test of time, and... Um, I think you pop that in now. Go watch it on the network, and you'd be just as mesmerized. Yeah, yeah. Because we, uh, the Hulk up, uh, the counter to the Hulk up, you know, Warrior just, and you thinking that Hogan's going to pull it out till he doesn't pull right. it out. Um, and I was probably hooked by you know not just them, but the Von Erichs that gave you this this the true rock and roll, the grittiness of yeah. uh, you know, given the Sportatorium, kind of that. That dirty, grimy feel, right. but God, it was the most amazing how, how, thing. How long do you think the Sportatorium's been down, like shut? Oh, uh, like twenty. And we're still talking about yeah, the dang it, Sportatorium. Yeah, you know uh, what I'm saying? I mean, there, there, there are always going to be moments. You know, when yeah. you're looking at uh, Macho Man and, and Steamboat WrestleMania three. Come on, at, yeah, hit with the bell. You look at Hogan oh. and uh, you know King Kong Bundy WrestleMania. I mean, there's just yes. these, uh, just moments that that truly. I was probably unclear of what I wanted to do with my life, but my parents could probably tell you he's going to wrestle somehow. Mm -hmm. Something that's just something that I wanted to do. Um, And, uh, but it, it took years from, you know, being five or six to even getting to, to wrestle. Uh, I didn't start training till I was 25 uh, because my, I had an opportunity when I was in college, I was in Austin and there was a, the company that I would end up going to train at maybe five or six years later ran ran shows but at that point I was under the impression you had to be a grown man before you even try to step foot in the ring you had to have your have to have your career in order you had to have you know plan b that was the most important thing get your education all of that um went to the service and the biggest thing about being in the service was um all the wrestling fans because it was the height of the attitude era the monday night wars I mean, you couldn't go wrong with like, the, you know, with Sting being a crow, and I can even remember the time where he turns his back to the cameras and addresses the fans, and it's right before he goes off into the rafters, and he'd already been growing out the hair, uh-huh. um, but just being hooked on all elements of it, and I think it wasn't until other 
uh, you know, other people that I was serving serving with that that would bring up what they would do after they got out of the service, and a lot of them said they'd want to try wrestling. Um, I just so happened to be in Austin. I just so happened to try to go to Shawn Michaels Wrestling, you know, Texas Wrestling Academy, mm-hmm. uh, but the price of it before you stepped foot in the ring was just too much. And I was at that point where, um, you know, I needed to, uh, if I wasn't going to do it then, I had I had the fear that I would never do it. So, um, so yeah, uh, 25, I uh, saw, saw an ad for, for wrestling school and went, and that's uh, kind of the rest, I mean, 17 years later what almost. Was the, uh, what was the school for you? Uh, it was uh, Capital Texas Power Wrestling. George De La Isla, he was Mr. California back in the 50s and yeah. 60s. Knew, um, he knew... Uh, he was good friends with Chavo uh, Guerrero Sr., and um, he ran that public access wrestling show that I'd seen like six, seven years later. Um, I did everything. You know, I was going to go to Sean's, but given given the amount of money and the fact that it was in San Antonio and I lived in Austin and this was a wrestling school in Austin and get my feet wet and see if I even, if it was something I wanted to do. Right. And then two months later, I'm having my first match just out of uh, someone no-showed, and I got the spot, and, uh, I mean, I was hooked. The rest is history. The rest is history. You are the legendary Steve DeMarco. <laughs> I, I, uh, um, you know, like I said, Nate Law's like, you don't know who Steve DeMarco is? And so I'm going to continue the conversation. This dude held three belts at the same exact time for all the... And so how did you end up at your... So you're in Austin, you're training. Right. How, how did you end up in Houston? Well... Let's uh, let's see. Big big stops. Worked for NWA Southwest. The uh, back when the NWA, much like today, uh, they're another attempt to try to reinvigorate the territory system. But really, not a lot of cooperation. Just a lot of people with the NWA brand. But I held right. the Texas Heavyweight Title for for a couple of occasions, uh, which took me from Austin to to the Metroplex area for a bit. Uh, PCW was the place that I really wanted to so be because we they about, were... Uh, the, the, the TV in the mall, right? Yeah, and, and they were also uh, what reality wrestling is now. They were that then, running UPN okay. uh, weekly. We ran weekly uh, twice a week uh, towards the end of my run there. Uh, held, as I mentioned before, held every title that there was. Um, but it gave me a great education in uh, character development and television and angles and how to properly put the show together uh, and also working as that brain trust for, for, for a company and helping develop talent to not only be ready to perform but be ready to perform on television, which if you ask any wrestler, uh, the biggest jump is from being a performer on the independence to being a performer on the television and being a yeah. true television style uh, wrestler. When, when we go in to buy tickets for reality of wrestling, I'm always like, hey, try to get the section because I know the camera's right behind right, me. Right. So I know that those guys are going to turn yeah. and talk this way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, so, um, and I'd been to Houston here or there, but I kid you not, uh, six months prior to my move to Houston, I was um, the tail end of a relationship, and, and the girl had mentioned moving to Houston. I think she wanted to salvage the relationship. Right. She thought moving away from move, away from you. No, she was trying to move oh, okay. us <laughs> with uh, you. With yeah, you. Okay. She, well, she had heard we had heard about Booker T opening. She's uh, like, I really want to save this, so I'm going to yeah, go away. We need to <laughs> no. get, well, you know, the yeah. problem is that when you're in the bubble and you're there at a wrestling company six to seven times out of the week, yeah, for sure, uh, and you're putting in it's your life and you're doing everything revolves around it that you don't have time for other stuff yeah. and you can get easily distracted. Whereas 
honestly, at the end of the day, uh, we run two shows a week. I should only be there those two shows and the rest of my time, you know, devote to other things. Right. Um, but I had told her I would never move to Houston, and that was six months prior to me moving to Houston. <laughs> um, because, and really, I would not have moved to Houston had it not been for Booker T. I uh, remember distinctly I'd been wrestling maybe six years, four of which had been on television. I'd been a top guy, had developed talent, had really um, put a, my stamp on PCW, and but I realized that if I wanted to get to the next level, which was going to be WWE, I needed to be somewhere where someone could challenge me creatively, challenge me as a performer, um, and I needed to do, I needed a mentor, someone. So it just so happened that Booker was, PWA had just opened, the school had just opened, and he was going to have a WWE tryout. Tommy Dreamer was, um, was uh, head of talent relations, I want to say. He was in that position where right. he could you know, sign guys, and he wanted to have one of those um, tryouts at Booker's. Uh, so a week prior, I had happened to go up there with my friend Franco, who was gung-ho about going. Had been in the business maybe about a year at that point, but was like, PCW's only, no offense to it, but it's only at a certain level we need to be higher, and WWE's ultimately placed in. Right. Why not deal with King Booker, mm-hmm. who could maybe get your foot in the door? Um, but the day that we went to check out the facility, uh, Charlie Haas was there. Me and Charlie had uh, done some work, not against each other, but uh, he'd seen my work at PCW, was a fan of it. So he had really kind of put me over to book, book invited me to the tryout. After the tryout, uh, which went decently, I mean, of all the people that were there, probably the one who gained the most out of that tryout was uh, Brooke Adams or Brooke Tassmacher out of uh, uh, TNA. So, um, so no one else there, you know, okay. really got any kind of, but, uh, I did get the invite from Booker at that point. He only had students. Um, it was kind of like through his teaching, even just that day, his, um, his mentorship just that day, I knew that that was where I needed to be. And, um, I could kind of see the writing on the wall, whether it was ego manifested or, or just logical that I had, my time at PCW had really come to the end. I needed to shut that chapter no matter what I had tried. I, uh, at the time, was dating a girl. She was my valet. I was doing everything in the power to kind of keep the relationship between me and PCW a good one. But I was frustrated for, as a performer. I needed to grow, and I knew that if I continued to be there, um, I wasn't going to improve. So Let me ask you this. Yeah. Doing what you do now, do you... Have you had a chance to impart that wisdom of uh, you're, you're dealing with all these young guys that might be in the same boat? I see that. I see that road. I know where it's going. Have you got to pull some guys aside? And uh, I usually through uh, anytime I mentor talent or have a character development session or or working with talent as far as producing their segments. Right. A lot of times I just I try to get them out of their head. I try to get them out of uh, worrying what's going to happen next. Like, just be in the moment. Especially when we're filming, say, days or weeks after the actual event, the hardest thing is to go, remember where you were at right. when we were there. Like, where you were at before. Like, don't... You know you you're, you lost because it already happened, but you've got to play like you're the most confident guy right. in the, or gal in the room. Um and a lot of times it really just goes back to telling them when you have a good situation, 
make the most of it, but realize that you're you're the one who's in charge of where you go next. Who are a couple guys that are amazing at that from reality wrestling? Just, uh, just like that, they're back to where they were. Uh, Ryan is uh, Ryan Davidson's probably uh, for me. He's probably one of the benchmark guys. Um, Sean Hendricks um, never wins a match, but excellent every well, time I see him. I, yeah, for me, yeah. It's so he's so much more I, 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 than, I was than like, that. And I'm, I'm throwing it out there. I'm throwing, yeah. you know, I don't know. Well, Legion came out yeah. um, at the show last night, and he was not there. Yeah, and I was not happy sitting yeah, in the yeah, crowd. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. a little sad. So yeah, big, it's a, it's always a weird, strange yeah. thing when they're not the collectives yeah, not together. Yeah. But I did, uh, I did love uh, what's his name. Um, New, the new uh, Legion guy is the tattoo of the two, the equal sign on the two bars. Oh yeah, uh, Anthony Andrews. Yes, adorable Anthony Andrews yes, from uh, I, former TASW heavyweight. But I love that character in there. Yeah. I said it one time. It was the best thing of the night. Yeah, for yeah. Me. Um, besides the Nate Laws match, of course, yeah. four hundred nine representing. <laughs> Um, and uh, he carried, you know, he carried Legion, the guy who in Legion, out of the ring. Oh he yes, carried, it was threw him uh, over his shoulder, carried him. It Loomis, was, I believe, yes. debuted. Yes, yes, uh, yes, yes, and, yes, and amazingly, you think about the guys that have debuted, and uh, in a lot of situations where, you, whether you're talking about Marcellus Black or Kylie Ray, where their first official match, the first match ever, is in a reality wrestling ring, and they look like they've been doing it for four or five years, right. or some, you know, in, like even Marcellus Black. The deficiencies or holes in his game weren't as apparent as uh, if you go to some local indie show. Uh, no offense to other li- indie shows, right. but no, I totally honestly, when you've got Booker in your ear, right. um, sometimes guiding you through it like you're the robot and he's got the remote. And in some respects, sometimes that's what talent needs. Mm-hmm. They need to be completely out of their head and um, focused on just yeah. being in the moment and being there. Uh, I think Kylie Ray's one of those that I don't. Um, being a producer, the biggest uh, pitfall a lot of times is getting talent to realize it's their segment. It's not Kevin's segment or Booker's segment or Bruce's segment. At the end of the day, it's we're under Booker T's umbrella. But when you're given notes or given a script, how you perform it is really up to you. What's your interpretation of where this should go? Uh, Kylie's one of the ones that. I never have to really give a lot of notes to, awesome. and a lot of times she's always she got might. something in her head of how she wants Kylie to be represented. Right. She knows her character, she knows. Yeah, uh, anyone who's got some, uh, you know, Marcellus who had done some like live uh, action role playing in college, so he had that oh, mentality. Cool. I didn't know that. Or um, like Jessica James, who's this great talent who did not see wrestling as a child. Uh, only saw it as an adult, but came from a martial arts theater background and ha- already had a step above, you know, not that she's with reality wrestling, but at the same time, she was part of that umbrella because she got a lot of her tutelage under Booker with, with during the PWA days. So um, it's just great to see the talent that um, that's brand new, first match, and they're, they're uh, people are not the wiser about would not know that you take Marcellus Black looks like he's a 10-year vet and you know it's just literally his first match and he's only been really training six months yeah it's just uh, and, and none of the pitfalls that I, a lot of talent that would go through. Well, I said the fan sitting on the outside looking in. I saw Marcellus Black in the ring, and he feels like I think I've said this on the air before. Like you ever seen you're playing Mike Tyson's Punch Out? Yeah. The bad guys you fight at the end. Yeah, where yeah. This guy's here, and then they're the size. Yeah. Of, yeah. Um, so you're coming out of Dallas. You're you're making your move to uh, Houston. Mm-hmm. We're going there. You you feel like 
Booker T. You say so you were in PWA. You started mm-hmm. the school, right? And, and so you're in there. The, yeah, uh, my uh, where before I uh, my you. first uh, first match with Booker um, under the PWA banner, Christmas Chaos One, was against Umaga. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, and Umaga at that point, um, John Cena wasn't getting offense. Uh, Triple H wasn't getting offense. So the local uh, the local guy making his debut with the company. Isn't going to get much offense, right. but uh, Umaga was um, the epitome of the word professional in every facet. Uh, gave me some great uh, pointers as well as uh, really gave me a, a great, great bit of respect. And uh, Booker really enjoyed it. I was one of the ones that didn't have to wasn't so hands on because he realized I would be with Umaga. Um, but uh, I think for me and what I've tried to tell talent because I can sense it a lot of times, is don't let your ego or your level of frustration impede your progress. Um, again, coming from being a top guy and being a top guy for a number of years and putting a company on my back, there comes a certain ego that, um, that wasn't going to listen all the time. And Booker would give me as 90, you know, right 99% of the time. Uh, and I only give him the 1% uh, that he's not right because no one's 100% right all right. the time. So, uh, but uh, with that for, said... For, uh, for those who say you're new to wrestling or whatever, so Umaga is part of the legacy of um, all the Samoan lines. I mean, correct. he was in WWE. Uh, um, you, you know, kin to the Usos, kin yes, to... their uh, uncle. Yeah, kin to Yokozuna, kin to... And I've to, heard the, the Usos go on, on interviews and say that the whole, you know, they do the running and they do the button to the face real right. quick as Rikishi would keep it there. Right. Um, Umaga used to do that move in, you know, the announcer. Yes, I, uh, I took it to the day. Yeah, he, yeah, uh, yeah I got, took I got it. it. Yeah, I got the greatest hits with the... Because that's what I was there for. I was there yeah. to be, you know, get a little bit of a fight. But uh, ultimately, right. once he got rolling, he was a bulldozer. So Yokozuna was another? Well, another one. Yeah. Uh, the Rock is a, a part of that yeah, yeah, bloodline, as so. is uh, Roman Reigns and a few others. Right. So, so uh, if, you're, if you're, like, say, new to wrestling, because Umaga was, like, say, what, early 2000s? Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, WrestleMania uh, 22, maybe when Donald Trump and... Uh, the match with Donald Trump and Vince right. McMahon where it was like the loser gets his hair cut and you got Bobby Lashley, the yes. former TNA champion, against Umaga and, um, you know, quite, but, quite yeah. respectable. So I help. And that's what I'm doing, man, because yeah. I've been that guy or... Um, I, you know, I come from a background where I was managing a comic shop, right? Okay. And so I'm looking around. I'm looking around the, uh, yes. the DeMarco domain. I'm yes. seeing a lot of Jokers, a lot of Batmans. I'm, I feel real at home around here. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, you get those dudes in comic shops who, if you don't know 70 years of backstory, they come in and they treat you like crap because yeah. you're like, oh, where's this? This dude This dude doesn't know where Batman, you know, blah, blah, blah yeah, is, yeah. you know? And even when it comes to wrestling, I think about that because a lot of people, I think, are um, intimidated if they, they're not part of the culture. And so we're kind of these people in the crowd like, hey, the shows are super fun. Yeah. We do a lot of chanting. Yeah. We boo Kid Ransom a lot. Yeah, I yeah. love that. A lot of man bun sub Although now, now if you oh. boo Ransom. No, uh, he, now you've got to cheer can, him. To can really we get talk it. about it? Are we? In uh, it? You know, I mean, whoa, whoa. Uh, I, I'm going to put it this way because uh, what a lot of people in the live audience. See, I was trying to get you know. Yeah, yeah. What a lot of people. What, well, I don't want to give yeah. too much away, but uh, there will be a lot of camera on uh, Mother Ransom, and she stole the show. Us that were watching the back. Uh, 
after yeah. after the events, uh, her reaction was uh, very heartfelt. You you felt yes. for the mother as she yes. sees the terror that unfolds. Oh, That's the only yes. spoiler I'm okay, giving. Okay, we'll yeah, stop yeah, right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. um, I'm 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 already in talks yes. with Mr. Taylor Ransom. Yeah, do not to, call him to, kid. He is come, very yes. and legitimately he don't to come back. On he the is show. a father of a you know he's a, a family man. You yes. know, so at some point you know we talked about his baby one time. No, he never punched me in the face about it. So we have to say it. We're saying now. I don't know if he'll have his child there moving forward. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Maybe his wife may want to stay away. Right, uh, right. Mother Ransom may want to find some uh, some place to sit quietly. You know, he, maybe this is a man of, of teasing. I like that. He's yeah, just throwing. Yeah. A, he, he's making you hungry. He's, he's the ultimate mama's boy. I mean, you can't oh, help yeah. it. Like if you watch the first episodes of reality wrestling, uh, you know they do the uh, profile package with him. And yeah. his mom is there front and center. So everyone was, knows Mama Ransom's like a part of part of the you know the lexicon. That's, of, uh, that's, this is the second show Mama Ransom has been at least <laughs> talked about. Yeah, on, yeah. Uh, Actually, uh, uh, the one time I faced Ransom at Reality Wrestling, one of my few matches with Reality Wrestling, uh, she was very instrumental in him gaining the victory. She gives me a big slap to the. Oh, so, yeah. you awesome. don't mess with uh, you don't mess with mama. Yeah, so, uh, she was talking you don't about mess it. with the son. So she, he was telling me that a mama ransom likes to sing, and I was like, "Bro, she should be your valet." She comes out <laughs> singing. The crowd boos her. You get mad at the crowd. Yeah, like yeah. it would be beautiful. Yeah, so. Yeah. Um, so where were we in your story? Um, I'm, t- I'm Tarantino, bro. I'm yeah, yeah. All over uh, let's see. Uh, so you're, you're uh, I was with, with PWA for yeah. a bit, and um, you know had some quality matches. Wrestled the Usos actually. And really? Tag match. Uh, that's on YouTube. Who was your partner? Uh, Alex Villarreal. You're like, it doesn't matter. No, no, no. no. Alex Villarreal, who's now part of La Familia, he was my partner. Oh, really? Yeah, it was he, myself, and the Pride. We were called the Elite because we were actually uh, members of Team 3D. They at one point had invaded, and we were like part one of their cohorts. So, um, so yeah, we faced the uh, Usos before they were the Usos, but uh, knew they were talented kids right from from the get-go. Um, and then I um, parted ways with PWA again, uh, ego and thinking that um, it was time I needed a fresh start and uh, booked a company, IWE, uh, local uh, for, for, for about a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we created some buzz. We had DVDs. Was there, uh, let me ask you this, was there a um, tension between you and, and book school? Were, were you like, I'm out? Or he was like, no, it's cool. It was a mutual um, thing. It was, um, there was a meeting uh, yeah. without getting too much into it. Uh, there was a meeting That's for... That's what I do. I yeah, get yeah. into well, it now, but there I, get was you, a me- I get Yeah, you. yeah. There was a mm-hmm. meeting uh, basically... Uh, after that meeting, I just kind of felt uh, I was already kind of burnt out. I have a have a tendency. I give myself a year at some places okay. because uh, I just know me. Um, yeah. I'm passionate about it, but at the same time, I believe that I have uh, have an idea of wh- where it should go. Um, and if I don't agree with it, uh, which has completely changed now, now that I'm a producer and I go, yeah, it's Booker's vision. I'm here to help facilitate said vision, right. as is all the talent. We're here yeah. to help tell that story that Booker's wanting to bring forth to the audience. Um, but uh, I think parting ways helped because I, I probably after about a, two years, I realized that I wanted to be back with Booker, be under his fold because... Uh, I had some great times. I have some good friends with within IWE. Uh, a lot of that talent that was part of IWE are mainstays within Reality Wrestling. Uh, Kevin Bernhardt, who was Kelly Kevin, great right. talent at, uh, as a performer, and an even sharper eye and mind when it comes to the creative aspect. Um, I still have yet to meet 
Mr. Kevin. I'm, I'm, oh, it's one of Kevin's, my goals. Uh, yeah, yeah he, he, uh, he's been on my show one time, and he's, I we've he's been, been talking for like the last year to have right. him back on my show. He's, he's extremely our one busy. and only cancellation. Yeah. to chop to the chest radio. Yeah, yeah. Maybe so, uh, Kevin, if you're point. out there listening, yeah, brother, I'm just saying, saying the offer uh, is on the table. Knowledge, you know, yeah. you know, if Kevin really wants, you know, he says everyone should should. Uh, advertise and promote the show well right. if the director would get on some podcasts oh, I, mean, I like hey, that word of mouth he's proud of the product this man i'm, I'm it's his baby from, yeah. it's, it's, it's his baby but and, um and see that and that's kind of where i say oh honestly i'll pass the whatever yeah i'm like i'm not a wrestler i'm not here to promote me like i'm yeah. just super passionate about wrestling and finding guys who love and get the magic yeah, that's yeah, in yeah. the air and yeah. that's when people were like man you really and i was like no no, no. to me it's it's like that it's super just like you, you're in those moments sometimes you're like this is beautiful yes, and there's yeah. no yeah. you know and sometimes you're like oh that wasn't so good but for the, for the most part um, well I, usually I for that. yeah for me um, especially in my role and and um, the number of jobs that I've had on the production or creative standpoint I just want to be a fan when I watch it I want my brain to turn off I just want to enjoy whatever story they're pre- presenting and when I uh, when they take me away from the story is when I get really frustrated, you know. So even with when I work with talent, I'm like, just be invested in the story, because um, if you're invested, everyone else will be invested. Because it kind of shows the ones that are really, again, I use Kylie as probably an example that right. she's in her her own world, right. and everyone gets into her right. world. The you snap know? is gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. When so, she snaps, I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I love so, that. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, um, so I ran IWE, and, like, Kevin's on that, was on that part of that project, and uh, Ruthless Ryan was part of that project, Gustavo Mendoza, Mysterious Q, um, just to name a few, there's quite a few others, but, um, you know, I've created a working relationship with those guys that continues to this day, and, uh, you know, I'm just happy to be a part of Reality Wrestling for the last, uh, really since its inception, so... um, yeah, it's great to see how the company's grown and whatnot. Right. So who are some of the guys in reality of wrestling that you're just, hey, if you're going to keep your eye on somebody, just a few off the top, like that get you excited that uh, you're a part of what what, what you're, you know, what they're doing? I mean, uh, he's got a lot of years left, but Gino, to me, is one of the top talents oh, in any 20-year-old phenom. Right, right. You know, uh, uh, six, it's in his blood. Yep, and right. uh, really been doing it for six years, but really the last two to three is really when he's found it and uh he's a special talent i think ruthless ryan goes without saying uh why he's not on raw or smackdown is beyond me uh rex andrews i think um he's he's on the cusp of uh becoming something uh kylie ray to me um i think i could put her with any woman on any roster um anywhere in the world and i think she would hold her own uh and then there's you know brian keith or um Alex Ray. Yeah, something about last night, Brian Keith was really just on it. Like, yeah, yeah. He, it's, you know, I like Brian Keith. It's good. Uh, you know, again, he's another one we're trying to get on the show. And he, uh, th- th- I don't know, there was something in the air last night. Like, again, he just, there was a connection with the crowd. And right. just, it just felt, it, it, like, when he came out, it was the first time I've seen him go, okay, I, I can see him, and I hate to use the word beyond, but on, on the, the stage could go to a grander stage in yeah. the of wrestling. Um, it was good. It felt good. And speaking of that, you know, uh, reality wrestling is an amazing stage to be on. And I say um, in, in the, the level that what you guys are doing or whatever, there's some guys that are, I mean, and bottom line, they, they're not making a WWE. It's just, it just is what it is. Right. And maybe they're up in, in years and, you know, and WWE's like, oh, you're going to hurt something, whatever. Yeah. Um, 
to get on that level, even of reality of wrestling, I think is amazing. Right. Because it's it's um I mean there's two to three hundred people there, I'd say, Correct. you know, and, and like I said, the the um, adrenaline in the air and, and these people truly love wrestling and not just wrestling, but they love reality of wrestling. That's right. like their place. And right. so even to some of these guys that are, you know, I'm saying if that's their if that's the highest point they get in their career, it's still part of something Amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be there forever. I mean, YouTube, I mean, unless all the servers go down, at least you'll have that, or uh, the tapes that have been, uh, you know, or at this point, the digital file that's uh, somewhere, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, it's going to be there forever. It's going to be there to see, you know, it's not going to, it's not like VHS where at some point it becomes obsolete or or DVDs that are somewhat becoming obsolete. It's now, you know, something that you, you know, is accessible all over the place. but yeah, I just uh, I'm a fan of it. I think it's a special project um, and a great product, and uh, just filled with great people. Let's get a little. You know, we're shutting down in here in a little bit. But yeah. uh, okay, so you are no longer wrestling. Uh, I am. Um, I'm being very selective. Uh, I would say, um, 2011. I I've suffered back issues. Okay. Because you're just gonna suffer back issues. Right. It's a car wreck almost every time you're out there i've taken some very very dangerous bumps had some very scary moments uh 2011 i kind of came to a uh tipping point uh but i was able to recover and really decided to have a last run so to speak in my mind uh, right. i never want to be one of those guys that's uh still does it and people are like he's done it for too long i don't want to outstay my welcome um but i think that around 2012, I made my return, and that's when I had this glorious run, so to speak, uh, being the TASW heavyweight champion, the Coastal Wrestling Federation heavyweight champion, and the uh, Hurricane Pro wrestling heavyweight champion, and going through a All name change. at the exact same, same time. time. and over a year for two of the three. and like, Did the, you carry all three belts to all the shows? Uh, well, CWF, a uh, little known fact, did not have a championship belt, right. so I used the TASW title or the uh, either the Gulf Coast Power Pro Wrestling title, which became Hurricane Pro. So okay. um, I'm historic in a couple of those. Um, but I noticed, like, Towards the end of my run, and I remember distinctly it being at a reality wrestling show maybe a year before um, my last match, kind of not being, kind of being a step slower than I, than I should be. I was wrestling Abel Andrew Jackson, kind of my timing wasn't where it needed to be. Something felt off. Uh, Shortly after that, uh, I had a conversation with Kevin just about wanting to have an exit strategy because I didn't want my back or or my body to give out and me not have some make peace with it now. Right. So having the conversation with Kevin about well what would the future what would you want to do and like well I don't want your job. I definitely would like a low lower stress one. Uh so let me work with talent that I love to, to awesome. do that. So uh, um but you know you fast forward about a year and I'm still wrestling. Um, and I had kind of mentioned to myself and some of my friends that once I dropped titles, I would not wrestle for that company because the idea of like coming back for a rematch uh, right away, I don't know if that, but at least I'd have unfinished business there if I chose to come back. 
depending on, on the show. But what I noticed throughout the landscape was um, a lot of companies at that time didn't really think of video production. They don't. Uh, any companies today still don't think of video production. I think it's a shame. I think uh, if you've got someone who's got a cell phone with a camera uh, or an iPhone 7 or a, you know, a Galaxy 7, right. why you can't do a fan's point of view and release that uh, if you can't at least do that, then what are you doing? You right. know, especially in this day, age, day and age of social media and 15-second viral videos and, and whatever have you. Um, and no offense to the companies, but it, it was kind of one of those things, like and I've said it before, but I was wrestling for Hurricane Pro, and I had lost the title, prehistoric run, and then was kind of lost in the shuffle. And there was a guy that had always wanted to wrestle, this guy, A.J. Rush. And... Uh, when I was champion, he was a cruiserweight champ, and I thought, let's, let's just have this match. And for about 18 months, we didn't have it. My entire run, we didn't have it. And every time I'd come to the back after winning, uh, reclaiming my title or you know, defending it successfully, I'd be like, give me AJ Rush. So we're in the midst of about to have this match, and I'm thinking about the fact that it's a shame. Uh, I say this kind of to myself, and I say it to a fellow wrestler that it's a shame that only the fans that are in attendance are going to see this, and I'm never going to see this footage. So why am I here? It wasn't about being the champ. It wasn't about having a good match. It was about what's the payoff ultimately, exposure or the right to have that footage. or um, It wasn't so much about pay. So there was that instance. And then um, TASW, I had lost the title, hadn't been back to the company, had wanted to take a break, had put them in a better position than when I had left, um, got approached about coming back, and they gave me kind of, uh, you could either face um, Cedric Payne and Kid Ransom, speaking of Kid Ransom mm-hmm. and Cedric Payne, in a triple threat. And mind you, I had no business. Note to the fans, this yeah. is the first show I have not booed Kid Ransom on, yeah. on Well, air, times so. they are changing. <laughs> okay, uh, okay. But, uh, but we didn't have a history. Um, and being a former champ, I thought, well, why not be in the title picture? You know, uh, I'm a, uh, supposedly a name, legendary as you've said it. Uh, why not? The legendary you, Steve DeMarco. That's right. That's the, that's what's gonna that's gonna be my moniker moving forward. Uh, but anyway, uh, I'll back it. I'll I make ended sure up being be uh, I ended up being the special guest referee for the two guys that a year earlier I defeated both of them, and I defeated them multiple times. But now they're the ones vying for the title. So something about that rubbed me the wrong way. The idea of uh, I didn't ever consider myself a legendary performer. I thought, uh, but my catchphrase was always, uh, there's no show without Steve DeMarco, because to me, I felt like you put me in any arena with anyone, uh, I will not steal the show. I am the show. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter who it's with. Uh, I don't feel like I have any holes when it comes to promos. I don't have, I feel like I have any holes when it comes to entertainment value. I know about being a character. I don't care about the number of moves I do. I'm not a guy, you know, my finishing move was the sexy kick. I needed one. I didn't need to create a party to get over because nice. all I needed was one. Um, uh, those guys, like, I'm going to bite off them because they bought off, in essence, yeah. bite off me. But uh, it's good. anyway, um, so I think after causing the outcome of that TASW match. That was the second instance of me going, why am I here? Uh, no one's going to see this footage. 
except for the fans, that's great, but what's the lasting part of my legacy? Right. And more importantly, I'm a guy who had held the title for the second longest, I was the second longest reign, um, and you can't even give me a match of, uh, that I felt I deserved. Now, again, perspective being what it was. And the third one, uh, ironically, came at PCW. They were doing a reunion show, what I thought was going to be a reunion show when I got pitched it. Um, unfortunately, being in Arlington, I'm in Houston. They wanted talent to sell tickets. I'm not in the area, but I agreed to it anyway and just tagged people via social media. Uh, the idea was you sell tickets, you get half of the proceeds. Um, but yet I'm telling them, go, well, go to the place that's selling them because I don't have them, but go to them. Yeah. Um, got to sell merch, which was fine, but it was a long day. It ended up not being a true reunion show. It was uh, MPX, which runs out of uh, the Metroplex area now, um, had some of their representatives. So it wasn't a true uh, reunion show. That's really why that was the selling point for me was to go see old friends and kind of do like a high school reunion show. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, eight, nine years since my time there. So, um, but that was not to be. And unfortunately, and in the, all, the, all the new guys, I'm guessing, were going over. Well, it wasn't that. Um, what it was was um, the biggest problem I have with some indie shows. You, you look at our, you look at reality wrestling. Eleven matches, two hours, and by show starts at seven thirty. By nine thirty, fans are getting to leave. They we haven't outstayed our welcome. Fans are excited. They they may go right after go to go home and at midnight tune into the broadcast to see what was happening last month and uh still be immersed in it right uh, most indie shows you go to can have six matches that last and the show lasts three hours or in some respects they try to do a 15 match card but no one understands that you're not there for yourself you're there for the fans you're there to give them a lasting memory and that be it and why it doesn't take 25 30 40 minutes to do that so i'm in the midst of it again it's a long day the girl i was dating at the time was with me although she's a fan and although uh at one point want to get in the industry she is kind of new to the idea of what it's like to be a, a professional wrestler and you go and your call time's 1 p.m even though the show starts at 7 and she didn't understand that because we're driving from houston to the Metroplex. Um, I'm there for a meet and greet. Uh, she doesn't understand why I'm willing to come in for, for little to no money. Uh, because again, I wanted to be, to get those fans, you know, um, wanted to see those fans again at the same time, wanted to perform again in that, under that, in that ring with these people, with people that I worked with, that I'd built right. a legacy with. You uh, built a community connection. Yeah, yeah. And there were people, yeah. there was a buzz about the fact that it had been there. Again, it, it wasn't ideally what I wanted. Um, but within, by the third match, the show is running an hour long. Then, you know, so say we're supposed to start at 7. By, by 7.30, we should be mat through match 3. Uh, but by 8.30, <laughs> 9 o'clock, we're now at through match 3 because everyone else assumed that it's WrestleMania and that I need to have 45 minutes to complete my task. So by the third match, I looked at my opponent and was like, they just want to hear you talk smack. They want to see the sexy kick. That's all we're going to give them. We don't need to give them anything else. Um, because why? No one, no one cares if I chain wrestle with you. 
Uh, they want to see the two personalities go at it, butt heads, and they want to see me kick your face in and then was, send them happy. Was he accepting of the? Uh, he was extremely accepting because it was an easy night. Um, you were warned, you know, whether you if you sold tickets, then great, you got that. If you didn't sell tickets, um, then you're doing it for for the love of it. Um, plus, he got the opportunity to work with me. I have a big uh, big reputation in that area, so. Um, he got the rub just by us doing business yeah. together, and he got it. Uh, I said, you know, go pitch it to to the head writer, uh, the guy booking the show, see what he thinks. If he doesn't like that, then he can let me know what, what he would like. I come, shit you not, comes to me, and he's like, literally, that is what I needed. I need a five-minute segment. You two both get over, get the crowd. Now, mind you, we had about 1,200 people in attendance, so it's a big, big event. But you... The longer matches, the crowd only got to a certain point, and then they stopped. Yeah. With us, it was a Stone Cold segment. It's, yes. uh They were know, hot the whole five they're, minutes. They're, yeah. yeah. You know, I said my goodbyes, but in the midst of being out there from the time that I walked through the curtain the first time, I said, this is probably it. I don't, uh, what else do I have to achieve? Again, who's going to see this? Right. Uh, again, I'm in a five-minute segment, no offense, but I drove, you know, I wanted to perform. I wanted to perform at a high level, wanted right. to have a competitive match. Uh, and I'm not really getting that, and it's not with someone that I would that I had a history with, which is what I would have hoped to have had. Um, and again, it's my brain and how I, how I saw things. So as I'm giving my... My victory speech, it's more of a farewell speech. And at that point, it was just, um, I don't, I never want to go for surgery. And I've been, you know, basically dodged like three bullets in my career for major spinal surgery. So it's um, through rehab or yoga or just, you know, getting my body back into some semblance uh, that at this point, it's more, what's the payoff? It's not so much about a title run or, or uh, or a grand payoff. Uh, I mean, the most money I've ever made doing anything wrestling related. No one will see the light of day, and it would probably have changed my career for forever. But it's uh, one of those things that never saw the light of day, um, which I'll talk about at some point. But um, yeah, I just um, I'm real selective. I've gone to shows since because mainly for the last couple of years, I've mainly focused my energies just with reality wrestling. Okay. Uh, I don't like to be a spectator at shows because a lot of it's bad. Um, and once it's bad, it just changes my outlook on, right. on it. Um, there's a lot of well-meaning people that try to perform into my, in, in my perspective, um, they're all in each other's way. And they're just, you know, whereas with reality wrestling, just get out of your way. That's kind of the motto. Get out of your way, just focus on the task at hand and follow protocol. Um, but uh, I have thought about 2017, whether it's just a final run. I don't want to call it a retirement tour or anything like that. Right. Ultimately, I'm, I'm not Terry Funk. I don't know. For me, if I say I'm retiring, that means I'm not producing. I'm not teaching. I'm, I'm still going to be a part of the business. Right. Uh, but I might want to do like an encore type of uh, – I've thought of uh, will those will that be in reality wrestling? Uh, ring? I, I've never uh, <clears throat> I've never used my relationship with Booker or with Kevin to further my thing. Or the, even the truth, one. well, the truth is, uh, 
you know, if I'm sexy Steve DeMarco, I can't exist in the same plane as a Gino. We're the same guy right. to some degree. But now, but after th- this day, yeah. you are the legendary Steve DeMarco. Yeah, that's just, a whole yeah it could be another thing. I, what I've wanted to do was... Uh, that's a whole. That's you stepping into a ring and maybe teaching a young guy who doesn't respect that. Right, 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 right. I create stuff. That's yeah, what yeah, I do, yeah, man. Yeah. My, that's what uh, I do. my reputation alone, would, uh, would they would just already be intimidated. But yeah. I thought, because uh, I mentioned that uh, something... The most money I've made ever doing a wrestling event or something wrestling-related was uh, I was in the movie Idiocracy. I'm oh, in the really? credits. Well, the yeah. thing is that uh, we uh, the scene was uh, Luke Wilson just comes out of his cryo sleep. Austin and he's Boy? Wa- yeah, and he's walking through, through the city, and he's seeing what the future is. He comes to a church, and there's a steroided, this is how they, a steroided Jesus-looking wrestler battling a devil-looking wrestler, and I was wrestling Jesus. So I was the futuristic, in a church, we have a wrestling ring, I give the guy the hand of God, which is kind of like the rock-bottom claw. Yeah. Um, I get crucified when he throws me into a cross, and I basically hit it like it's against a turnbuckle, I hit it. I made about $900 because I jumped off the top rope. At first, it was going to be like 600 They gave me an additional three. So it was like 900 for only a few hours of work, very safe. Uh, met Mike Judge, met, met Luke Wilson, who liked our yes. work, was real complimentary. And I thought it could have been something. Not, I think before the movie came out, and it was kind of different spectrums, trying to be humble, trying not to think about it, just, oh, it's a job. Uh, meeting stunt coordinator who liked my work, liked my look, said, hey, man, maybe in the future, let's see how this how this goes. I thought it could have been akin to um, The Mummy Returns and, and The Rocks, just 10 seconds, 15 seconds yeah. of time, um, and that gener- you know, look where he's yeah. at now. And not saying, hey, I'd get that level of success, but Terry Crews came from that. You know, there were some people that, that came out of that that got a career, and... Or if the movie came out and even in those 10 seconds or 15 seconds or however long that footage was that I could have turned that into something. So I've always wanted to play with the idea of since I've been away for so long. So was that scene in the movie? No, and it wasn't in the... Okay. Uh, and, and what's funny is, uh, and I tried not to think about Because I'm like, I've it. seen Yeah, I've seen it numerous know. times. Even when yeah. the DVD came out, I thought maybe there was a deleted scene, yeah. which was not the case. I'm, I am on the credits, which is the only proof that I have that I did yeah. it, and the people that were there um, that, uh, that mention it. But I always thought, wow, if, I, if it had came out, I could be wrestling Jesus. I could... Yeah completely invigorate this different career and maybe even be a bigger deal because again you have guys who are extras on raw who make a career out of mm-hmm. being like i appeared on raw i'd be like no i appeared in a major motion picture about right. that and i really hadn't given it much thought and then i saw an advertisement for the 10-year anniversary and i actually even messaged mike judge like on uh twitter just to be like uh i know you have that footage or if it, it, right. whatever came of it I just like to see it, you know, see what what ended up on the cutting room floor. Of course, obviously, he probably doesn't have it. He's moved on to like Silicon Valley and, yeah, yeah, and whatnot. So, uh, but just an interesting idea that of what my life could have been. So, I've always thought, man, what if I had done if since I haven't wrestled, performed in close to three years, that when I do come back, that I just 
approach it from that. Like, what if I'd become this big deal and now I'm just coming back into wrestling for whatever? But yeah, because uh, I always want to try to do something else. Uh, but yeah, I've uh, I've considered it. A lot of it is um, getting back into that mindset of being that performer, um, and the mindset of what where I was as a care you know as a person to be be that character. Um, I mean, I do it with the podcast or with the Lucha Lounge show. Right. Uh, I mean, it's always going to be an extension of me. Mm-hmm. But um, again, to be the performer and to um, to see how how I could do with with some of the talent that that I run into. Which but, brings me to my next question: yeah. If 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 everything you know, hypothetically speaking, you're stepping back into reality of wrestling ring. Yeah. Who are the top three guys that you think? you'd steal the show with uh i would say gino would be on top of my list right. he's uh and, and the the legendary steve demarco yes. character would be a perfect right right yeah just uh gino uh the young lion against the old lion who yeah. who would give him a run for his money and ultimately i've always said it i don't need anything but one kick i don't need a whole lot more you could you could get all the offense in the world and he's a phenomenal athlete uh but it would end with, uh, you know, as soon as the kick happened. Um, probably next would be Danny Ramones, Cherry Ramones, uh, current Hurricane Pro Wrestling Heavyweight Champion, oh, awesome. uh, a guy who, you know, I've held, I held three titles that at a point when I was, uh, when I was Hurricane Pro Champion, and he's currently holds titles all over the place. Um, and uh, the, the big clincher with him is that he's, he looks like me at 25. So it's just like looking in the mirror right. and going, wow, man. And, it's, and the, it's the Jericho Shawn Michaels. Yeah, yeah. Kind it's, of. yeah, uh, yeah. Um, uh, I'm really intrigued by him. And um, I saw him. Uh, he, made his, um, he made his debut with reality wrestling, Dalton. Uh, Dirty Andy Dalton, yes. uh, who just so came back from made, ju- made his debut. Is that was that a one and done, or he's going to uh, start? No, I think uh, you know. Ultimately, a guy in his position, uh, it's about his schedule. You know, uh, we run when we run. Um, I don't think. I think if he wants to be there, uh, I think he made a good enough impression. Um, I I've always considered him a talent. I worked him about a decade ago, so it'd be great to just get back in the ring with him and see how he's evolved as a performer. Um, we've always had good chemistry in the ring and uh, created magic and created moments, so um, he'd definitely be somebody. And then if I have an honorable mention, it would be probably Ruthless Ryan just because oh, we, we have such a good we have such a good rapport and, and have been friends for so long. And I've said this on the show, like I said, but the first reality wrestling show I've ever been to, this dude, I, I think he just stepped on the st- – he does that thing where he steps on the steps. Yeah. He just takes a look at the crowd, and I was like, that one. Yeah. That's the one that he has me. He has my attention. Just the simple looks, the little nuances he yeah. has in his game, the way he steps in the ring, the way he takes a bump. Yeah. How he pops back up with this uh, pain looked on his face, yeah. like everything about him. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, he, he he's, was my thing that I'm going back, and my friends, you know, would be like, I'm going back for this Ron Davidson. That's yeah. it. And then, and then over the, the time we've, We've been there. We've seen the other performers just kind of grow, and you know, I'm sure there was amazing ones there. But this guy stole the show for me. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm like, oh, and here's this guy, and this guy, and this guy. Now at least, you know, sometimes you go to shows or other other indie shows, and you sit and you're like, okay, well, let's wait for the real match we came to see. Right. But I can honestly say with reality of wrestling, most of the time, every single match, there's something that pulls you in. You yeah, know? yeah. And I love that about it. So. Yeah, and I think the the benefit of doing uh, you know, four episodes in one in one taping um, 
helps because it is like a roller coaster. You yeah. have a main event match every sec, you know, every third or fourth match within the card. So you get enough of those, and it gives the fans that you know. And then you have the match that's going to start your next taping, and um, and ultimately, you know, uh, even we don't necessarily always film in order. So uh, you know, it's always great to see the finished product um, and and see what we've made out of you know the promo packages that we filmed or highlight packages that are being put together or you know some of the stuff that I'm even part of because of you know scheduling and whatnot but um yeah you know I think um we're on the cusp of of some pretty big stuff and you know I think you know whether it be the November show which should be something you know just the road to Christmas chaos whatever we're going to call it but Christmas chaos um 11 which is 10 years in the making you know, for me, you know, being that guy that was the veteran on, you know, of that roster for Christmas Chaos 1 and to face Umaga and then to look to 10 years later and here we are and we're going to have Rey Mysterio Jr. Uh, be part of the show, which is going to be tremendous because uh, that just creates more eyes on the product from a local standpoint. Right. Um, I wouldn't tell anyone, hey, uh, avoid shows, uh, but I've been to shows that... Um, <coughs> You know, there's certain shows that fall into the category of there's one match on the card and everything else is, yeah. you, like you mentioned, you're just waiting. Um, some some shows have an intermission after every match, you know, or there's just the stop in action. I've been to those shows where you're like, there's two matches. Why are we Why are we at the, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think intermission's kind of a thing of the past, even though I've been to some some companies that I'm that I you know, still am like, friends get with. your hot dogs get your and you turn to your right and there's the hot dogs it's not like I have to go anywhere yeah, yeah, I can I take mean, two uh, steps over and you're, get you're gonna give me a break from my bathroom because uh, hey. uh, you know, uh, yeah. but um, and then there's some shows that are well intentioned but uh, again uh, having the right tutelage having the right brain trust um, and having people that are held accountable and then uh, and then you've got your your very you're very good shows that are filled with good good talent and filled with good stuff and then you have you know your whether it be pro wrestling gorilla because of the buzz or you have ring of honor because of its uh because of its legacy or you have nxt because of what they're doing to revolutionize the business uh or you have reality wrestling which i think is on par with all of that because again uh when you have a bruce pritchard in you know part of that brain trust how can you disagree right. what, with what he's thinking? I mean, brother Love himself is telling you, and he's a guy that was the right-hand man of uh, Vince McMahon for a number of years. Or you have Booker T, who, um, when I first encountered him, he was King Booker, and that, that was probably one of my favorite wrestling characters of all time. You know, Not just because I worked for the man, but the idea of being given something. You know, since and you, you seem like, like I said, we just met, but you yeah. seem like the kind of guy that, you work for that man because of that reason. Not right. you're not saying that because you work for him. There's a difference, you right? Know what right. I'm uh, I was a, I was a fan of his, uh, but I probably wasn't as big of a fan of his until the King Booker stuff, uh, because you had a situation where he give that to anyone else, whether it be Sheamus or 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 Barrett or or Regal, who you know because of circumstances, right. Uh, or Billy Gunn, uh, you can think of the long list of people that have held it, um, who've held that moniker, but I don't think anyone took it to the level, you know, not probably since Harley Race, that took it to the level of King Booker, where right. he brings in Charmel, and he's got the court and the 
and the accent and the posing and the yeah. the cape and the wearing that that crown and uh, to be able to pick his brain about how he sees the industry, um, it's just just amazing. And I I tell uh, you know the great thing is it's an open door policy to any right. talent, uh, and we are trying to we are scouring the globe literally to find people that want to be a part of that product, want to be part of that movement, uh, because Booker's not going to rest until he brings a certain level of glory to the Houston wrestling scene that, while others have tried it, it it really hasn't reached that fever pitch where it's the destination that people, and the people that are, that do come to see it, you know, the hope is that they, through word of mouth, um, that they, we get more people in that, you know, rather than just be 300, why not 500? Why not standing room only? Why not it be like a PWG where it's, it feels like an event and you've said it yourself. Yeah. They're, they're from top to bottom. It's a full encompassing show. I mean, that has luchadors and women and theatrics and big characters and big personalities and some truly special people that, Mm -hmm. um, years from now probably going to be seeing on the big stage and you could see them win and meanwhile Booker is going to be still producing some of the best talent that that there is amazing yep. let me ask you this 20 years from now you're talking to a young kid <coughs> who finally realizes you are the legendary <laughs> Steve DeMarco on and the show they'll you're, be you're, like they'll come back to this right, right, show right. and be like you're, that's when it was first coined that's it oh my so, god so you're you're giving them the highlight reel who are some of the people that you're honestly just um, excited that you lived this life and been in the ring with some of the legendary people. You know, some of the some of the people that you're like, hey, I was in the ring with. It's a little humble brags, you know. Uh, oh, they're, they're, I, no, I mean, they're, they're, brag, they're do, braggadocious. Yeah, uh, you they got the Omaga earlier. Yeah, there, yeah. So uh, I, I would say, um, well, well, okay, uh, let's okay. say like uh, you you uh, <laughs> you think of Lucha Underground, Vampiro. I have a victory over Vampiro. Oh my, I love. Lucha Underground yeah. is like my. I love yeah. Lucha Underground. I have a I have a victory over him at Elite Wrestling Federation out of Houston, uh, back in two thousand. Is Elite out of Houston now? It was no. out of Houston. Because I'm, no. I'm starting to see a lot of. No, this is one. This is a different okay. one. This is a different one. This back in two thousand, uh, they used to run at the Sam Houston Race Park. How was uh, uh? Did he have hair or no hair? He had hair. He was still the the dreads. The, the dreads. Oh awesome. uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, super super great guy was. Uh, you know, not a diva in any stretch of mag- I mean, guy had a massive amount of success in Mexico, everywhere else. Yeah, and came in and did the did the honors for me, and um, uh, one of the highlights of my career. I also got a victory over Christopher Nowinski, who, uh, when he was wrestling before yeah. he, uh, you know, started doing his work with concussions because of mm-hmm. the concussions. He, uh, um, I would say, uh, Sabu. That's on YouTube. It's really? got quite. Yeah, it's uh, in his. Uh, this is uh, Sabu before Botchamania was a thing, and people would uh, would make light of his contribution. You know, uh, this is a guy that was in his prime. Uh, Two thousand four probably put me on the map as far as throughout Texas wrestling. What kind of go. Was it like hardcore? Uh, it was it? his speciality. We did. Uh, I, I I I bit off of. Um, it's on YouTube. I mean, uh, you know, I my idea of using a chair and his idea are different. You know, I use it for sitting. He uses it to attack. Um, right. Uh, we had a couple of table breaks, and uh, it was a very insane, you know, one of the first, uh, Vampiro was probably like the first name, uh, Rodney Max, another one that I worked early in my career when he had just been doing ECW and had had quite the reputation, um, 
and was victorious with him. I, I would say uh, any of my stuff that's on YouTube as far as you know, whether it be Action Jackson, there's like a Kiss My Foot match. I think it's one of the best. Uh, I mean, you say Kiss yeah. My Foot, there's an actual foot being kissed, and uh, my valet at the time is a part of that. Uh, so it's kind of bittersweet. But at the same time, uh, Action Jackson, hell of a talent. Um, my stuff with Ruthless Ryan, any any times that we've locked up, um, I like that. Or uh, Mike Fox, a guy that uh, probably 2004, 2005, 2006, uh, we had kind of a feud on and off, and he we did some great business, or even like Tim Storm. I mean, there's there's some talent there that uh, that I've had the chance to work with that it's definitely highlights for me, you know, just uh, the idea of getting to mix it up with any of them, you know. So Okay, so we're, we're, we're kind of on this journey. I'm going to end it here. Tell yeah. me about the lucha lounge why do you do it how did it come about and okay um so uh i was with booker for i've been i've been here about six months and wrestled umaga and then the next show i wasn't on the card and here's where you kind of learn paying your dues never ends we were security and nothing's uh, as embarrassing as the show before. You're wrestling Umaga in the semi-main event, and people remember that. And then the next week you're in uh, business casual clothes, uh, being security and having fans like say, hey, man, weren't you on the last, why you, right, right. you know, and being like, well, it's part of the deal, part of paying your dues. Yeah. Uh, and the next match I'd wrestled this guy, Dog Cheatham, who was portrayed by uh, Russell Simpson, who's a phenomenal talent. Uh, should have Another guy should have been signed long ago. But um, anyway, so I felt like I needed something more. I had had a hot act in PCW with uh, this girl, Ashley, who went by Tavia. And initially what I wanted to do were like these four-minute, 20-second videos kind of highlighting our day, road tripping or working out or me and her having our, uh, our, our time as a couple or, you know, just any excuse. Yeah. Uh, but as a package, um, I thought we, we had something truly uh, – truly special and plus I wanted to show it to Booker I thought it would be something so initially the Lucha Lounge which was um, a phrase that Paul London had who uh, was a good friend of mine at one point had coined for his man cave it was just a place where we could watch wrestling and we could talk about life and kind of be away from the hustle and bustle and kind of be in our own little you know special place um, for wrestlers you know talk wrestling and away from all the negativity and whatnot um, so I wanted to name it the Lucha Lounge because my character was kind of like the Hugh Hefner of wrestling. I had this pretty girl uh, YouTube that's in its infancy, so I thought hot girl wrestling, no one's doing that. Uh, this is 2006 at that point, uh, about to be 2007. And I remember having a conversation with her um, a couple of days prior to, uh, to it changing, but... Um, talking to her about that and wanting to start releasing these videos. You know, like, I, I was basically in Houston. She lived in the Metroplex area. I was supposed to go down there for a benefit show, and I thought, well, we'll film, like, a couple of months' worth until we can really line up me starting to do travel again. And I had talked to Booker about doing other shows to really kind of um, practice the stuff and really execute the stuff that he'd been teaching but working once a month and those being hit or miss were, were kind of foreign to me. So I thought, oh, well, this would be a good way. Uh, so that was going to be the original concept. Um, two days after that conversation and then maybe a day after another conversation, Ashley passed away. Uh, it was a tragic uh, 
Um, valet. Yeah, valet, girlfriend, love of my life. Uh, really, without her blessing, I probably wouldn't have come to Houston. Because okay. I was really, um, it's funny, I was at PCW, and I'd wrestled Andy Dalton on a Friday. And uh, I had booked that show, and then I stopped booking it, and they made me champion of it. Um, and then the head writer for our Saturday show was going to take over the booking for the Friday show. And on his first show, he takes the title off me. He was just like, I don't, Uncut's not, you were a bigger deal than Uncut. At the time, I didn't understand it. I was just already burnt out by the whole process and whatnot. The night after I wrestled a Weapons of Mass Destruction match, uh, in the midst of it, um, the outcome of it was Ashley throws in the towel. And I thought, we're, we're doing like this team-oriented, uh, stable-oriented uh, tournament. Uh, so I thought this was the night that kicked it off. Um, I think in the midst of the match, she's throwing in the towel. And back of my head, I'm going, I need to go to books as soon as possible. I don't want to waste any more time. Uh, I'm not getting any younger. I want to go to bookers and get to WWE. Um, Mind you, at the time, me and this girl are very much in love. Uh, I didn't have a plan. I just knew I needed to be in Houston. Uh, we had dinner after the show, and she basically said, I support you 1,000%. Do what you need to do. Um, get that contract. And that was really the only reason that I even... It wasn't just the invite. It had to be all these... You know all the planets aligning because right. again I didn't have a plan didn't have a didn't have a steady work I was a wrestler what am I going to do uh, that was in July so you fast forward to March um, and uh, approach Ashley about the about the the Lucha Lounge concept and she liked it we were going to film this stuff I was going to be down I was going to be in Dallas or the Metroplex area for St. Uh, St. Patrick's Day, so we were going to, you know, again, party theme, all this stuff. Um, she, was a, uh, she was a dancer at a strip club, but she worked days because working nights was just dangerous, you know, just um, a guy who was a fan of hers, who was married, had a child, he basically uh, came in and he killed her. Came into the bar, killed her, killed himself. Guns or yeah, just a gun. He uh, he had been there for a few hours. People didn't assume anything. Uh, funny part is that I'd worked security day security for that for that club, and when I stopped working there, the GM was like, "Yeah, nothing, nothing ever happens. So it's probably you know we're just wasting money spending it on on your salary." Um, ironically, you know, day shift. Uh, he'd been there for a couple hours. I find out through police reports that he had been texting friends the day of, you know, and leading up to this, that his plan was to, to kill, kill this girl. Felt scorned by her, even though he was a married man with a child. Um, so he's at the bar, throws his keys to the bartender, and then he uh, shoots Ashley, killing her instantly, and then uh, shoots himself shortly thereafter. He, he doesn't die right away, because he doesn't, you know, but in a you know, 30 minutes to an hour, he, he passes. Um, probably the hardest day of my life. It probably changed all elements of, of me, you know, probably my love for wrestling to some degree because nothing's worse than inviting someone to be part of that, wanting them to be in your life, not just, you know, because, again, I think back to the dual identities of, of, of a wrestler 
and uh, some people you let into your personal life, but you don't let in your you know, wrestling circle. Some people that are in your wrestling circle, you don't let in your personal life. Having someone that's bridging both, part of your act, part of uh, your reasoning for wanting to do it, is no longer around. I remember having a conversation with Booker the night I found out. Um, most painful conversation. Uh, Charmel was there. Boogeyman was there. You know, without the without the face paint, obviously. Um, you find how big of a network and how big of a brotherhood the wrestling industry is. Because I got calls from all over the states when when it happened, just offering their condolences. Not just texting, like phone calls. Like we are just checking on you. Um, really changed my life and. Uh, as much of a tragedy as the Benoit stuff is, the one element of it that I am, I hate to be grateful for, is uh, I always felt like no one understood my pain until that day, until the Benoit stuff. The idea of a murder-suicide, wrestling-related, uh, and people who didn't even know the man, like, shocked and grieving over all this, and I'm in the midst of grieving, you know, March to June is, you know, only a few months. But after that, uh, at first the Lucha Lounge was just a way of coping with the grief, uh, mourning the, uh, uh, mourning the, uh, the loss, mourning, uh, being lost, you know? Mm. Um, and at first it was just vlogs because that was kind of the thing with, uh, YouTube. I mean, this was, right around like lonely girl 15 like that yeah that uh, you know that controversy because uh, because a production crew you know made it seem like a 15 year old was doing vlogs when in actuality it was a production crew you know how ironic 10 years later it's like uh, companies are the big source of content as opposed to you know uh, creators um <coughs> but um i don't know you know uh, at first it was a vlog and then um it became uh, more of a, at first, like, a, I don't know, you know, kind of my commentary on how the business was, because at the time, everyone seemingly had a voice, and I remember what kind of got me into wanting to even talk wrestling, as opposed to just focusing on my life, was I'd hear other YouTubers some some supposedly well-respected YouTubers at the time uh, put down Umaga. And, you know, were like, he's worthless and he doesn't know what he's doing. And I'm like, you have no idea what, what we do. And right. I didn't notice a lot of wrestlers that were defending the product. Because I think, especially after the Benoit stuff, <coughs> uh, defending the product uh, was probably the hardest thing to do. So, um, you know, I... Much like everyone, you go through levels. You know, at one point it was uh, put out my footage. At one point it was uh, cut promos for companies because no one else seemingly was doing it. Uh, and I was a big proponent. Uh, when I did IWE, we had a video production crew that was paramount. And it was something that I was going to not, you know, I was going to have no matter what, even if it cut into our bottom line. Uh, because, uh, again, uh, in this day and age with everyone's right. cell phones, I, I don't understand certain companies that don't even put out anything, you know, whether, I mean, at least like a company like ACW, which has been doing it for years, where they put out at least a video wire to get their count over with promo stuff. So, um, and, you know, it's just morphed. I, I wanted to do more controversial, you know, more conversational stuff. And, uh, 
you know, the next step for me, obviously, was trying to be consistent with releases. Because um, even though I've been at it for about a decade, I, you know, have under 300 videos. But in the last year, I mean, how whatever week we're on, 39, 40, uh, which reminds me, I've got to, I've got to send out my next podcast. Um, so uh, I've been consistent with it. And that's really been my goal I don't really have like a goal business-wise. Like I, I don't have sponsors. And my stuff's totally free. I don't monetize my videos, uh, especially now because of how YouTube, uh, their terms. Uh, you know, you can't have anything controversial on your channel. You can't have any controversial footage at at all. Any violence, which is wrestling, unless you're WWE or TNA, unless you're a big, you know, big company. And I'm just a little guy that wants to have conversations with friends or people that I, that I respect or people that are in this journey we call wrestling. Cause again, like you said, there's a bunch of noise, a bunch of negativity. I'm not one of those people because I don't criticize. I might have critiques about movies or, you know, or, or cartoons or comics or books or whatever have you. But at the same time, I know, um, or even about pr- the product, about casting, you know, which I think is the biggest gripe a lot of people have, or how the story's going, whereas they don't really pay attention to um, how fine-tuned of a machine it is. Um, I don't talk about anything that I don't want to talk about. I don't watch anything that I don't want to watch. I'm not someone who hate-watches stuff. I watch Raw, usually not on much of a delay. Um, I watch SmackDown. I watch Lucha Underground. I watch it all. Uh, and I'd rather talk about the good stuff than focus on the bad stuff because there's enough people that believe that they're experts that, that do talk about it, that in the long run, uh, fans are fickle, and they never seemingly know what they want at the end of the day. Uh, and that's me being a booker and being able to guide an audience to like what I've wanted to put forth and uh, <laughs> um, at the same time being one of those guys that was criticized because I – was a walking, talking lounge act, and people discuss work rate and um, all that. And I was always about, well, it's not about popping anyone, but the, but the crowd. Right. I'm not worried about critics. I'm not worried about uh, smart fans. I'm not worried about the IWC. I'm just worried about the people that pay their money to watch me or or click to see me. And I'm, I just want to make sure that they're enjoying what's presented before them. And I just want to be a point of light in an otherwise dark world because God knows we're in a world of hurt if you hear from everyone else. And I'm always like, it's great because it is because the alternative is what? I don't know. Believe in reincarnation. Um, I'd like to believe in heaven. I'd like to believe in higher power. But uh, I don't know of anyone who's come back from it yet. Uh, So... um, so yeah, I try to be positive because I've got one life and I know how right. precious it can be and how one minute you're here and the next minute you're not. And um, it's taken me years to just enjoy the journey and that's what I'm trying to do with the rest of my days, no matter how long they are. Stinking amazing. Yeah. We are sitting with the legendary Steve <laughs> DeMarco, the host of Lucha Lounge, one of the greatest champion that ever stepped out of Houston, Texas. <laughs> Um, amazing story. Thank you for sharing all the ups, the downs, the heartbreaks, the glory, um, all the legends you've been in the ring with. Now they can go and say they've been in the ring with you. 
Um, you're amazing. Again, we are chopped to the chest radio, baby. Thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Chevy Chevrolet, the excellence of podcast execution. Steve DeMarco, awesome, amazing. Do you want to say one more, anything else before we go? Uh, you know, if, um, if I will keep everyone up to date, uh, whether it be podcast or YouTube, you can go to YouTube, Lich Lounge. Uh, just look for me there. Subscribe. I drop videos usually every Sunday, every Monday in audio format, part of the Offshoots Network. Um, yep, dropped every Monday. And uh, if I do make a return to the ring in 2017, it will be just, I'm not trying to save wrestling, but I will prove once again that while others try to steal it, I am the show. And there is he no is show, show without Steve DeMarco. The things legends are made of. (laughs) Shot to the chest radio. We are out, baby. Sexy kick things. All right.